invite us to turn our Bibles to Philippians chapter 2, if you have a Bible, or have your social media Bible, whatever you have, it'll also be on the screen up here. I'll quote a couple verses, and then we'll read Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 through 11. Today's Sunday school lesson, I taught that it's a privilege to serve God, and what a privilege it is to be here, what a privilege it is to see all these young people, and uh, I say this every year also at Vacation Bible School, but in case you're new or you haven't heard me say this, uh, my wife and I love Vacation Bible School. We were saved as the hippies in Los Angeles when we were 24. The first thing we ever did in, in church was work at Vacation Bible School. Our daughter, Samantha, got saved when she was five at Vacation Bible School. She surrendered to be a missionary when she was eight, and she is a missionary, her and her family to India, so thank God for Vacation Bible School. Okay, Philippians chapter 2, verse number 9. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. Today I want to preach on the subject we've sang about it. And that is Jesus, our one and only, because he is the one and only. Jesus is our one and only. I know those of you who are in romantic love, and uh, yes, our Spouses uh, should be uh, loved by us, but for those of us who know Jesus, our testimony should be, He is the one and only. He is my one and only. He is my one true love. He is the one that I love. And so let's pray and ask God to bless His word. I'll pray and you please pray with me and ask God to use this sermon. Thank you, Jesus, for this opportunity to be here today. Thank you for this church. Thank you, Lord, for the 300 young people, Lord, whose lives were touched, the 70 who were saved. Thank you for, Lord, many, many years you've used Vacation Bible School to change lives. I pray now you'd fill me, use me, help us to do what we're trying to do, Jesus, and that's exalt you so that you can draw people to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Familiar verse, we could all quote John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And Jesus said this of himself, John chapter 14, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man can come to the Father but by me. The world and the world's religions still cannot figure Christians out. You have this introduction in your bulletin, read it later when you get home, and your notes, read it later when you get home. That Jesus alone is the one we worship and adore. Jesus alone is the one that we worship and adore. The world would say that that's narrow-minded. The religions of the world would say that's too exclusive. But those of us who know Jesus, love Jesus, and love the Bible, Jesus is our one and only. In India, which is where we do mission work, in India just saying the verses that we just read and talked about, you can get killed just for saying these. In India, when I preach, we have a, 
uh, a rule that we don't go into villages and, and put down their gods. I don't go in the village and say, uh, Shiva's not God, Vishnu's not God, Brahma's not God. We don't uh, tell them not to worship Lakshmi. That's the six-armed God with the big red tongue. Some of you seen a picture of that. We don't put down their gods because we're in their village, we're their guest, and, and that's a good way to get killed. But we do preach about Jesus. When, we go, when you preach the gospel, you have to exalt Jesus. You have to lift Jesus up. And so just lifting Jesus up in this world causes enemies. Just lifting Jesus up in this world can get you killed. And I like the t-shirt that many of us have seen. It said that uh, this t-shirt's against the law in 52 countries, which says the name of Jesus on it. And that's the case. I love getting the voice of the martyrs. And I can't wait to get it each month and read it. And the, this, this uh, edition of The Voice of the Martyrs is about uh, people who were killed and left their wives and their children behind. And on the front of it says martyrs and their families. And this is the lady whose husband got killed. She says, I will live for Jesus and I will die for Jesus. And the very first story on the inside is about a pastor who got killed in India for preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. So the world cannot <coughs> comprehend what we're saying today. The religions of the world and the governments of the world can't comprehend what we're saying today. <coughs> so Jesus is the one we love and Jesus is the one we will live for and Jesus is the one we will die for, our one and only. Everyone that's been adored, loved, or celebrated was because of their life. But there is only one that we love and adore and celebrate because of his death, and that is Jesus. We love and adore Jesus because of his death. And that's what our message is today. Yes, there are thousands of reasons to celebrate Jesus' life. We could talk about those reasons. I just mentioned a few of them. There's been more orphans that have been fed and clothed because of the name of Jesus than any name on the face of the earth. There's been more hospitals that have helped sick people built in the name of Jesus than any name on the face of the earth. There's been more homeless people. We think the government's taking care of homeless people, but I've been at this 47 years, and the church has been taking care of homeless people. There's been more homeless people fed out of the name of Jesus than any other name. There's been more songs written about the name of Jesus than any other name under heaven. More books have been written about Jesus than any person under heaven. So we could talk about Jesus' life. Most reject who Jesus is. Most people will reject the person of Jesus. If you talk to people, especially the people I've just mentioned, they will say Jesus is not the Son of God. Jesus is not God in the flesh. Jesus is not the Savior of the world. Jesus didn't really die on the cross. Jesus' blood can't wash away your sins. They deny whom Jesus claimed to be. He claimed to be all those things. But the, no one can deny the life of Jesus Christ. No one can deny that. I have a question that I ask people who are just antagonistic about Jesus. And that is, well, Jesus was a liar or a religious nut. Which one do you think he was? And I think in my 47 years of asking that question... I've only had two people that ever had the audacity to say that Jesus was a liar or religious nut. Gandhi said, Gandhi was a Hindu, 
I quote Gandhi a lot when I go to India. Gandhi said, even though he's a Hindu, that the person he admired most that ever lived on the earth was Jesus Christ. So one may deny who he is, but certainly we cannot deny his great life, his holy life, his loving life, his perfect life. But today I want to show five reasons why we celebrate his death. No, we don't take pleasure in his death, but we celebrate the results of his death and what happened at death. So if you got your notes, you're looking at them, you've got your pen, you're filling them out, or just listening real carefully. Number one, Jesus is the only man that ever lived that was born specifically to die. We, Jesus is our one and only because he's the only man that ever lived that was born specifically to die. Yes, the Bible says the, that it's appointed unto men once to die, but I wasn't born just to die. You weren't born to die. In fact, Adam and Eve, they could have lived forever had they not sinned against God. So we weren't born specifically to die. We will die unless Jesus comes back. But Jesus is the only one who ever lived that was born specifically to die. His very name signifies he was born to die. Matthew 1.21 The angel said to Mary, you shall call him Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sin. The name Jesus means Savior. How, what's he going to do to save us? He's going to die for us. His very name means that Jesus came to die for us. The Bible says that God sent Jesus to die. John 3.16, as we've already quoted. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. What did God give Jesus to do? He gave him to come and die and suffer on the cross. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. In John chapter 12, Jesus himself predicted and prophesied that he would die. Jesus said in John chapter 12, verse 23, that he said, For this purpose I came into the world. Jesus came to die. And then Jesus said in John chapter 12, verse 27, he said, My soul is troubled, but what shall I do? Shall I pray, Father, deliver me from this hour? He said, No, because for this hour I came into the world. Jesus was getting ready to face his death. And he was looking at the very hour that he was going to die on the, on the cross. The Passover, that is what we call the Lord's Supper. Jesus pictured that he was going to die. Jesus with the disciples the night before he was crucified. He took that bread and he broke the bread. And he said, take, eat. This is a picture of my body which will be broken for you. Jesus took that cup of grape juice. And Jesus signified by that typology. Jesus said, drink, because this is my blood that is going to be shed for you. Not that eating the bread and drinking the, that wine was going to save them. It was a picture that Jesus' body would be beaten and his blood would be shed to wash away our sins. Jesus' Passover, the Lord's Supper, pictures that Jesus was born to die. Secondly... Jesus is the only man that ever lived that specifically knew how he would die. Nobody else who was ever born knew how they were die. Some may have planned it, but they couldn't swear for sure. Some people try to commit suicide, but they can't swear for sure that that's how they're going to die. Soldiers have gone into battle, but they couldn't swear that that's how they were going to die. Jesus knew exactly how he was going to die. The Bible says in John chapter 12, verse 32, Jesus said, if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men unto myself. And the next verse said, 
This he said signifying by what death he should die. Jesus predicted that he would die on the cross. He prophesied that he would die on the cross in Matthew 26, 2. Many times we could talk about this, but I'll just give you one example. Jesus said to the disciples, you know that in two days is the Passover and the Son of Man shall be crucified. Jesus knew exactly how he was going to die. He knew that he would be crucified on a cross. And that's exactly how his enemies killed him in Matthew chapter 27. In verse number 3, the religious leaders cried out, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. In verse number 27 of that chapter, 26 of that chapter, the government represented by Pilate, the Bible says, had Jesus scourged and then had Jesus crucified. Jesus knew exactly how he was going to die. What an what a un, unfair death, I might say. It would be one thing to have Jesus scourged. But Pilate had Jesus scourged and crucified. Uh, they beat Jesus till the flesh was torn off his body. And then they crucified him. They would have been so much more merciful if they had just crucified him. But yet they beat him so bad. And then crucify him the Bible reminds us but Jesus is the only man who ever lived that knew specifically how he was going to die and that is by crucifixion notice again the religions of the world and the government of the world had Jesus crucified this is for another sermon but I must say it if the religions of the world and the governments of the world had their way I would not be standing here preaching what I'm preaching right now if the religions of the world and the governments of the world had their way, the home church would not have been able to have vacation Bible school and tell people about Jesus. Last night I was out sowing. We had a great week of sowing this week. And the 13 people have prayed out door knocking and sowing from the home church going out this week and telling people about Jesus. Last night I was out visiting. It was getting dusk and it was time for me to to. To, to not go to people's doors for, for the, just to be polite. So I was out visiting and a little Muslim girl, young Muslim girl, said, my house is down there. And I was out passing out tracks and flyers to our concert. And I said, well, I'm coming that way. I'll be there in a moment. And so in the meantime, I led a Philippine lady to the Lord. She was sitting there on her phone. And I got to tell her we go to the Philippines. And, and precious lady asked the Lord in her heart. I did my thing. I got down to the Muslim house. And I got, went inside there. And then some people came out. I had a little audience there in the yard. As I almost do every time I go to Lodi. I love Muslim people. My heart breaks every time I talk to a Muslim person. I love them. It's just so, I can't explain the feeling to get to share the gospel with a Muslim person. So I was having a good time. And I had the... I had my, the tracks in my hand, and the young, the young girl asked the perfect question. She goes, what is that? <laughs> and when she said, what is that? I said, well, this is a, a little Bible message from the Bible. It tells that Jesus died on the cross. And I said, what I always do when I talk to Muslims, I said, this is my wife and I at the Taj Mahal. That's a very famous Muslim place. That's where King Rajad buried his wife. And, and when you go there, it's a Muslim holy site. So I had all their attention. I started preaching about Jesus. And a lady came out of, out of the house and said, you can't say that. You can't talk like that. We're Muslims. And in my mind, I was nice. I preached to her, by the way, when she said that. 
I, in my mind, I'm thinking, there's no way you're going to come to America and tell a soul winner, a Bible preacher, not to stand here and tell about Jesus. I said, man, I said, I said, you don't have to believe what I'm saying, but Jesus told me to tell you what I'm saying. Jesus is the one who told me to be here. My point is this. If the religions of the world and the governments of the world had their way, we would not be able to say Jesus is the only way to heaven. We would not be able to say Jesus is the only son of God. We would not be able to say only Jesus is the one we love. Only Jesus is the one we adore. Only Jesus is the one that we would, that we would die for. Thirdly, Jesus is the only man ever born that knew specifically the suffering that he would go through when he died. He is the only person ever born to know the suffering. There's a lot of people have a little vision of the suffering that they're going to have. My mother died of lung cancer, breast cancer, and skin cancer. She spent her last year in a hospital dying. So when you hear the word cancer, it's a little scary thing because you're thinking, I know a little bit about that. We have a dear friend in Ohio right now, a young Christian mother, and her name is Molly. And if you'd pray for her, we'd appreciate it so much. And she's, just, she's got cancer and fighting cancer right now. So some things we have a little glimpse of the suffering we may go through. But Jesus knew exactly the suffering he was going to go through. And yet he did it anyway. That's amazing. He knew exactly the suffering. He's the only one that knew that. In Luke chapter 22, verses 41 through 44, the Bible says Jesus went and, and he knelt and he prayed. And, he, and the Bible reminds us there that he, he prayed great drops of blood. Blood was coming out. He was, he was stressed. He was thinking. And he said, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. The cup in the Bible means suffering. Let this suffering pass from me. But yet, nonetheless, not my will, but your will be done. Jesus was thinking about the cross and going to the cross and the pain of the cross. And, and more specifically, when I had time to develop it, but more specifically, he was thinking of becoming sin. He who knew no sin became sin for us. And taking sin upon him and having God the Father momentarily turn his back on him. Jesus was thinking about that. In Philippians 2, in verse 7 and 8, the Bible says that Jesus humbled himself and became a man and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. He knew the cross. He knew the pain of the cross. And he was the creator, by the way. Colossians chapter 1 will remind us that everything was made by him. There was nothing made that wasn't made by Jesus. He was the creator of the universe. He created the body. He is the, he's the master doctor. He's the master brain surgeon. He, is, he created every nerve. He knew about the nerve. He knew about the pain. He knew about suffering. Yet Jesus, the Bible says, went to the cross and he endured even the death of the cross. And as I've said, they already scorched him and ripped his flesh off his body, and then they put him on that old wooden cross and crucified him. Jesus knew the exact pain the whip would cause, the cat of nine tails with the leather straps with, with pieces of rock and bone and seashell. And they would take that whip, and at least 39 times they beat that whip all over the body of Jesus. Jesus knew the pain 
that that was going to cause. He knew the nerves that would be damaged. He knew the pain the nails would cause when they nailed the nails into his precious hand and his feet. He knew the pain that was going to come. He knew the, nail, the nerves that would be damaged. He knew the pain that the thorns would cause as those thorns were placed on his head and beat on his scalp. He knew that pain. He knew the pain of the cross as they would raise him up on the cross and drop the cross in the three-foot hole they would dig and his bones came out of socket. And he knew that pain. And yet he still went to the cross. I gave this illustration at youth camp. This isn't a camp, so I did not preach this sermon at youth camp, but it was born at youth camp. And I said, the reason why I don't like to go to the dentist is because I've been to the dentist before. <laughs> because I've been to the dentist before, I don't want to go to the dentist. I know the pain. I had a... Uh, Permanent tooth, whatever you call it, put in in India. In America, it cost about 2,000 implants. I had an implant right here put in. And in India, in America, it cost about $2,000. And it was about $100 to get the implant put in in India. But because it had been, I, I got it cut off when I was a boy. Another boy took a pop can and he, a soda can, he kept bending like this till the soda can was cut in half and then uh, he, he uh, kicked the can and the can cut through my lip and cut my tooth in half. And so it had been like that since I was a boy and I had a little cap put on it. And so, but uh, about 12 years ago I was in India eating a Snickers candy bar and it broke that cap off of it and so I had to get it get it replaced, but because it's been so long, the uh, gum had grown, grown over the uh, little broken piece right there, and before they could do the implant, they had to cut that away. I still this day don't think he numbed me. He, I, he said he numbed me, but I, to this day, I do not think he numbed me when he did. It was the worst pain I've ever experienced, and I don't ever want to go back to the, doc, the dentist again. <laughs> Jesus knew what was going to happen, yet he did it. That's love. Then don't forget that Jesus inspired Psalm 22. He was the, Jesus is the author of the scripture. He already prophesied what was going to happen to him 700 years before it ever happened because he authored the scripture. In Psalm 22, the Bible says that Jesus would say that his tongue was stuck to the roof of his mouth from, from dehydration, from losing that blood. That he would look at his bones. He could stare at his bones. How could Jesus stare at his bones hanging on the cross? Because they took that cat of nine tails and they ripped the flesh off his body. And as he was hanging there on the cross, he could literally see his bones protruding from that skin. Jesus wrote about that. He knew what was going to happen to him. Isaiah, the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 50 verse 14, I believe it is. Isaiah said that his face would be so marred you could not recognize him. Jesus inspired Isaiah to write that. He knew what would happen when those hundred soldiers beat him with their fists and clubs. Jesus is the one who inspired Isaiah 53, that he would be wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquity, and the chastisement of our peace would be upon him. Jesus knew that. He knew the pain he was going to suffer, yet he went to the cross anyway, and he died on the cross anyway. 
Thank you, Jesus, for that kind of love. Thank you, Lord, that you would do that, do that for me. I had the privilege of talking to so many people this week. And uh, Monday is my, uh, my day off. But one of the fun things about Monday is I usually get to talk to more people on Monday than I do the rest of the week because I'm somewhere where there's people hanging out. And so I was at a place this week, and there was a guy... I was at Lodi Lake, actually, and I was walked around the lake, and a guy passed me, and I was trying to get a conversation with him, and I spoke, and he gave a, a grunt, <laughs> and I knew what that meant, just don't bother. So I'm doing my one lap, and he did two laps. He passed me again, and on the second lap, I knew what I was supposed to do. Uh, on the second lap, I gave him a track. We began talking. He ended up, uh, I can't tell you the whole conversation, but he ended up being a uh, student at a monastery here in Lodi and uh, from Germany and uh, so as we as we began uh, uh, talking and witnessing them I got to share uh, so many things but as we as I talked about Jesus dying on the cross he gave me this philosophical answer and it's the same answer right here in India he gave me an India philosophy and he said uh, that wasn't really Jesus' body that died, that was, just a, that was just a spirit. His body didn't really die. That, he just put, that wasn't really the body of God. That really wasn't the body of Jesus. And a lot of reasons why he would say that. But here's the reason why they adopt that philosophy and that theology. Because if that was really the body of Jesus, then Jesus did exactly what he said he did. He took that man's sin in his body. And so to admit that that was Jesus' body died on the cross, he would have to admit that Jesus suffered for his sin, that Jesus took his sin. And he would not admit that. He said he, he is not a sinner. He cannot say he was a sinner. But I remind us today before we close with the, next, with the last couple things I want to say, and that is this. Jesus took my sin on the cross. He took your sin on the cross. That was our sin that he suffered for. That was our sin that he went to the cross for. That was the payment for your sin and my sin. Next time you think that you can work your way to heaven, look at the cross. Amen. Jesus died on the cross to save us. Jesus is the only man who ever lived that death had no claim to. He's the only man that ever lived that death had no claim to. In other words, Jesus should not have died. There's no reason Jesus should have died. He's the only one that death had no claim to. Let me say that again. Death has a claim on me. Did have anyway. Death has, has a claim on you. I should die. I should have eternal death, but not Jesus. The Bible says in Hebrews 4.15, he had no sin. That Jesus became a high priest for us. He was touched with the feeling of our infirmities. And he became a man yet without sin. I mentioned a while ago about going through sufferings. I don't know what you're suffering today. But let me remind you that Jesus knows about your suffering. Uh, Jesus knows about pain. We just talked about that. Jesus knows about loneliness. Jesus knows about heartache. Jesus knows about death. There's nothing we can experience that Jesus didn't already experience. And he touched, the Bible says, with our infirmities. Yet without sin. He never sinned. He did not deserve death. 
Because the Bible says in Romans 6, 23, the wages of sin is death. So Jesus never sinned. He was completely holy. He was perfect. He did not deserve death. On the other hand, I deserve death. I'm a sinner. You deserve death. You're a sinner. 2 Corinthians 5, 21, the Bible says Jesus became sin for us. He had no sin. The he who knew no sin became sin for us that we may be made the righteousness of God in him. So death did not have any claims on Jesus, did not own Jesus. But thank God the Bible reminds us in Acts chapter 2, verse 23 and 24, that death could not keep him. The Bible says that God delivered Jesus and those people by their wicked hands. And by the way, let me remind us today, it was wicked hands who nailed Jesus to the cross. It was wickedness that nailed Jesus to the cross. It was wickedness that caused men to hate Jesus. It was wickedness that caused men to despise Jesus. I said this week also that I mentioned the Muslims. Again, I love Muslims. I've met some of the nicest Muslims. I got bit and scratched by a cat a couple weeks ago. I was bleeding like somebody shot me with a gun. And it was, a, it was two Muslim families that came to my rescue and helped me. Uh, I went to one Muslim door, and the Muslim would be the correct pronunciation, but I went to the Muslim door, and a man offered me a drink of water. I quoted the verse. Jesus said, you'll be rewarded if you give a prophet. And he knew that verse. He said, that's why I offered you the water. He knew that verse. I met such nice people. So nice. But let me just remind us this morning. You don't go to heaven because you're nice. You don't go to heaven because you go to the home church. You don't go to heaven because you're religious. You go to heaven because Jesus washed your sins away. You go to heaven because your sins have been washed in the blood of Jesus. And that's the only reason we go to heaven. And so the Bible says that wicked men nailed him to the cross. But verse 24 said death could not keep him. It was impossible for death to keep him. Jesus never sinned. He went to the grave. It was impossible. He came out of the grave by his own power. He walked out of the grave because death could not keep him. It was impossible for death to keep him. And by the way, I said we're celebrating his death. In reality, this is what we're celebrating. He came out of the grave. He rose from the grave. And when we opened up with that song this morning by Phil Wickham, one of my favorite new songs, as we opened up with that song, that there's joy in the house of the Lord today because Jesus rose from the grave. We came to celebrate today. We aren't at a funeral service today. It's okay to praise God. It's okay to say amen. It's okay to say hallelujah. It's okay to get excited. Jesus rose from the grave. We come here today. We celebrate that Jesus rose from the grave. This is our party time that Jesus rose from the grave. Death could not keep him. Then lastly, Jesus is the only man whose death, who, who ever lived, whose death gave everlasting life to others. He's the only man who ever lived whose death gave everlasting life life to others. Jesus said this in John 15, 13. Jesus said, no man hath any greater love than this than to give his life for his friends. Jesus came to give his life so I would never die, so I could have everlasting life. Thank you, Jesus. The scripture was given 
to show that Jesus came for this. Jesus said in John 5, 39, Jesus said, search the scriptures. Go ahead, search the scriptures. Go ahead, my Jewish friend, search the scriptures. Go ahead, my Muslim friend, search the scriptures. Go ahead, my Hindu friend, search the scriptures. Go ahead, my atheist friend, my agnostic friend, search the scriptures. Jesus said, search the scriptures, because in there you'll find that I came to give you everlasting life. Jesus said, the scriptures tell you this. Scriptures tell you that I came so you can have everlasting life. Jesus promised eternal life to those who believed on him. John 10, 27. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. Jesus said, I give them everlasting life. I give them eternal life and no man can pluck them out of my father's hand. Jesus came so that I could have eternal life so that you could have eternal life. The Bible says that even the record of God, 1 John 5, 11, the record of God says this. The record of God says that, that God gave his son that we could have eternal life. He that hath the son hath life. And he that hath not the son of God does not have life. That's the record of God. That's what God says, that people must have Jesus. And when we know Jesus, we have eternal life. When we believe on Jesus, we have eternal life. And thank God today it's not by our works we've been talking about in Sunday school. It's not by anything that we could do. It's by the grace of Jesus that we could accept Jesus as our Savior, the Bible says. And then the wonderful conclusion of this message is this. Death now has no claim on those of us who believe on Jesus. Death now has no claim on those of us who believe on Jesus. I talked about my mother a moment ago, and I had the privilege of being here for Mrs. Jeter's memorial last week. And when I hear of someone else's mother dying, obviously I think of my own mother dying. And those of you who heard my testimony, sorry to bore you with it again, but my mother used to be so upset that I was a hippie. Uh, she used to, I would go visit her and she'd want to, she'd chase me, she'd literally chase me with scissors to cut my hair when I was a hippie. And, and not just that, but all the things that went along with being a hippie, the drugs, the partying, and that, and that nature. My mother was dying of cancer, and I, those of you who know the real part of my testimony know that's how Linda and I got saved, was taking my mother to church. I didn't want to go to church, but the only way she could go was if somebody took her. And I never went to church with my mother in life. I, I never lived with my mom till I, since I was 10 years old. But from taking my mother to church, we heard the gospel and we got saved. My mother, I was in my first semester of Bible college. My mother never got to hear me preach a sermon. But uh, my mother trusted Christ as her savior. And I'm glad that when, they, when I went to the hospital, I was the first one there. My sisters were a little afraid to go there in Los Angeles. I was the first one in the room. She had died. Her spirit left her body. And that was just a shell lying there. And I'm glad that when they put that body in the grave, I knew my mother was in heaven. I'm glad that the, 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 all the Pollock family and the, and the Yetter family knew that their mother's in heaven. I'm glad we know that our loved ones, loved ones go to heaven. Death has no more claim to those who trust in Jesus. Have you trusted in Jesus today? Do you know for sure that Jesus is in your heart? Death has no claim on you if you trust in Jesus. But my friend, if you die without Jesus, 
Death owns you. Uh, death has you. You'll never rise from the grave. You must have, you must have Jesus to be your Savior. Our heads are bowed and eyes are closed. We hope you enjoyed listening to the preaching and teaching from God's Word today. You can get more information about our church and about starting a relationship with Jesus Christ at www.thehomechurch.net. From all of us here at The Home Church in Lodi, California, thank you for joining us.